0: It's good to see you today, so thankful you've chosen to be here with us at midway. Glad that, that you're here on this good, cool, brisk Sunday morning. Uh, many of you were here yesterday for the breakfast with Santa. had a big number who turned out for that. A lot of uh, opportunities that came our way in regard to that, so we appreciate that. Hope you'll we'll stay tonight following our service so that uh, we can have our uh, holiday party together. We always enjoy that very thing as well. I need to ask you some questions this morning as we begin our lesson. There's some things that I want to know if you believe in. First of all, let me ask you a question. Do you believe in alicorns? Now, I know what an alicorn is. An alicorn is a unicorn with wings. That's what they are. Uh, that's a proper name for them. But, but how many of you believe in alicorns? Somebody said, no, I don't believe in alicorns. Well, I said, why don't you believe in alicorns? He said, just because. You know, just because I've never seen one. I've been to the zoo and they didn't have any in captivity and, and I've never seen a real picture of one. You know, you've got one on the screen, but somebody drew that one, they photoshopped a horse or something like that. But, but you know, uh, there's just no such things as, as alicorns out there. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Do you believe in fairies? And you say, well, no, I've read about them in fairy tales. And, you know, uh, uh, those stories, they're, they're, they're really not true. We, we like to think about them sometimes. But fairies, you know, how could you imagine just a little bitty thing flying around? Or, or even like the fairy godmother in Cinderella, you know, she, she might have been, depending upon which one you're watching, she might be depicted as a small little fairy or. Or, or uh, you know, a larger uh, uh, person as well. But you say, "No, I don't believe in fairies. either. There's no such thing as fairies. We we just don't see them. They're, you know, we, they, we just can't believe in fairies." Well, okay. Let me ask you this: This morning, do you believe in leprechauns? Okay, now. Uh, They run around with the gold, and you say, Well, no, I don't believe in leprechauns either. I've never seen one. They're just not out there. I've run around. I've tried to find some of their gold even. You know, they didn't even drop a, a piece of gold. And so there's no such thing as leprechauns. Okay. Well, what about this one? Do you believe in elves? Now I saw some last year, I don't think we had any elves yesterday at at breakfast with Santa, but we had some last year, and, and I know, you know, they came back on Sunday morning and, and they didn't have pointy ears or anything on Sunday morning, and so I know that they were just made up. and, and no, I don't really believe in elves that live somewhere off, you know, in, in some snowy place or anything like that. I really don't believe that elves exist just because I've never seen one, I've I, 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 there's just no reason for me to believe in elves. Well, all those things that I mentioned this morning, you're now set up for this question. What about the angels? Do you believe in angels? And you come back and say, well, yeah, I believe in angels. And I'm going to turn that around and say, why? Have you ever seen one? Have you ever touched one? Has there ever been one in your life? You say, No. I don't believe in angels because I've seen one. I I really, there's no such thing as having first hand knowledge of an angel. I've never been in contact with one or anything like that. Well, then why do you believe in angels? You say, well, I believe in angels because I believe in the Bible and the integrity of the Bible because the Bible speaks about angels. If you were listening this morning when Brother Tommy read from the passages, you'll notice that there were some things in common. And those passages from the book of Hebrews, he talks about Christ, and that's the whole theme of the book of Hebrews, that Christ is superior. But those passages that that I had him read this morning, all of them mention angels. And how that uh, God had uh, created man and, and the Son of man, and, and how that uh, he was the Son of man is greater than the angels, and all of those those kinds of things, the Bible talks about angels, and I believe in the integrity of the Bible, and so I believe in angels. Even though I have no first-hand empirical experience, I, I've never seen one, I've never touched one, I, you know, I've never smelled one, you know, or heard one, or anything like that. I still believe that there are angels. What makes you any different than the person who says, I don't, I don't believe in fairies, or, or leprechauns, or elves, or alicorns, or unicorns? Or What makes you any different? Than them. Well, we know that the Bible is true. It's been proven many times. There have been those who have attacked it, and yet that Bible talks about angels. Indeed, we do believe in angels this morning. But as we think about angels, the interest that people have in angels, there are some things, there are some questions that, that really come to my mind. And I want to tell you this morning as we began a lesson that that the lesson that we'll be presenting is is basically an overview. You know, we, we can't study in great detail in a 30-minute period of time everything that, that we would like to know about angels. And I'll also tell you this morning that, that there are a lot of things about angels that I would like to know that even if we spend a couple of hours talking about them this morning, I really and truly wouldn't know because God hasn't seen fit in His Bible to tell me all of the information that I would like to know, but he has revealed some things to me, and he has revealed them so that we can know some things about angels. And there are some things about angels, perhaps, that people believe today that that really are not mentioned in Scripture, that we have made up in our own minds in regard to them. And there are some things, perhaps, about angels that we that we really and truly should understand and should know about because it helps us in our understanding of ourselves even. And so as we think about it today, we'll we'll look at it in a general way, a general overview and think about some things. Let's begin this morning by asking the question, what do we mean by an angel? When we're talking about angels, what is it that we mean by an angel? When we're thinking about the word that's used in regard to angels, the word angel comes from a word that suggests the sending of a message, and thus a messenger would be coming from that. Now, let me point you to a couple of passages, and again, we can't deal with all of these in great detail this morning, but think about what is said in the book of Matthew chapter 11 at verse number 10. The Bible, very simply says, This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The word that's translated messenger there is the word angelos, the same word that's used a number of times in the New Testament that is translated angel. When you're looking at Matthew chapter 11 at verse number 10, it's quite obvious when you're looking at the context Then he's speaking about John the Baptizer. John the Baptizer was a messenger who would come, and thus, in that sense, in the sense of one who is delivering a message, John was an angel in that way. And again, as you're thinking about that, you might even think about the fact that that Jesus, the pre-incarnate Jesus is spoken of as being a messenger, an angel as well, back in the book of Malachi chapter 3, the Bible talks about sending that messenger, uh, referring first to John the Baptist, and he says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant. Different messenger there in Malachi chapter 3. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And so both John... Uh, who is identified there in Matthew chapter 11, verse number 10, and and Jesus are referred to as being messengers. But it's the word that is used for angels in both the Old and the New Testament. And so, even though the word itself suggests the sending of a message, ordinarily what we think about when we're thinking about an angel is a heavenly order of beings that are less than deity. In other words, they're, they're greater than men, but they're lesser than God. Back again in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, at verse number 6, the Bible says, and again when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. That suggests that the angels are not God. It suggests that that they have a relation to God, and their relation is to bow down before Him, that they are to worship Him. And so, they're not deity, they're not gods themselves. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. It's been testified somewhere, Tommy read this this morning, been testified somewhere, what is man, that you're mindful of him, or the son of man, that you care for him, you made him a little lower than the angels. Do you have crowned him with glory and honor? And so, even though they're not God, they're still above us. They're still a little bit different from us. They are that heavenly order of beings. And that's what we're generally talking about when we're speaking about angels. Which brings me to the second question that I want to address this morning, and that's simply this. Where did they come from? Where did angels come from? Let me suggest to you this morning that angels are heavenly beings. Uh, I'm not clicking up there. They're created beings. Uh, not only heavenly, but they're created beings as well. Now, I want you to think about a couple of things this morning. Understand that when we're talking about angels, they're less than God, but all we do the only God has the quality of immortality abiding in Him. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 14 through 16. The Bible says, To keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which He will display at the proper time, He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and I watch verse 16, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to Him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Only God. Only God can be traced as far back that way and even further than you can imagine. Only God can be traced as far in this direction, in the future, if you will, and even farther than you can imagine. Only God can be thought of in both of those terms. Only God has immortality. We had no beginning and no end. But angels are different. Angels are created beings. The Bible speaks about uh, the fact that as we're looking at angels and thinking about them, in uh, verses 2 and 5 of Psalm 148, the Bible says, Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His host. Let them praise the name of the Lord, For he commanded, and they were created. In a passage which deals with with praising God, he speaks about the fact that the angels who were to praise him were created beings. But think about Nehemiah chapter 9, verse number 6. The Bible says, You are the Lord, you alone, you have made heaven, the heaven of heavens. Now watch this. With all their host, you've made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all of their host. Everything that's in heaven, you have made. The earth and all that's in it, the sea and all that's in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. You see, the Bible speaks about angels that they are created beings, but when were they created? When were angels created? The Bible doesn't tell us exactly when they were created explicitly and, and say on this and this particular time God created angels. However, from what is revealed in the Word of God, it seems that we can come to a conclusion. Turn, if you will, in the Bible to the book of Exodus chapter 20 at verse number 11. And I realize this morning that we're covering a lot of territory and we're hitting things very fast, but... Maybe and even it down. Exodus chapter 20 verse 11. The Bible says, For in six days the Lord made heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God made heaven and everything that is in them. Genesis 1.1 In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In Job chapter 38, verse 4 and verse number 7, Job is ask, or God is asking Job, Where were you? When I laid the foundation of the world. And he speaks about the, uh, uh, the sons of the morning uh, there, uh, when the morning stars, rather, sang together, and all of the sons of God shouted for joy. Uh, the point is, from everything that we can glean from the Word of God, and again, this is a general overview. Everything that we can glean from the Word of God seems that angels would have been created at the same time, during the same creation week, that God created everything else. God created the angels. But what are angels like? What are they? Now, they're not God and they're not man, but Scripture affirms that they are spirits. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. The Bible says, And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit in the right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits? The writer of the book of Hebrews asked, Sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. You know, we don't know a whole lot about spirits, do we? We do know that the Bible reveals some things. spirit's not physical in nature. In other words, it doesn't have flesh and bones. We know that from passages like Luke chapter 24 verse 39 and Matthew chapter 16 verse number 17. Uh, We know that angels don't engage in physical relationships such as marriage. Jesus spoke about that particular fact in Matthew 22 at verse number 30. And aside from a few of the the, the brief comments that we can see in the Word of God about angels, there's, there's not a lot of information about the makeup of these heavenly creatures. You know, when we're thinking about what they are like. But one thing that we can know about them, in addition to the fact that they are ministering spirits, is that angels are accountable to some kind of law before God. Think about what is said in Second Peter chapter 2 at verse number 4. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. Notice the Bible speaks about how that they sinned. You know, the book of First John chapter 3 at verse number 4 says that sin is a transgression of law. The angels couldn't sin if they were not under some kind of law. Paul said in Romans chapter 4 verse 15 that where there is no law, there can be no sin. But Peter affirms that the angels sinned. Jude does the same thing in Jude verse number 6. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. When angels sin, and they do, according to those two passages of Scripture, When angels sin, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about it very, very carefully. When angels sin, they have no plan of redemption that has been provided for them. As far as we can tell in the Word of God, the gospel plan of salvation under which we are able to have our salvation is not applicable to them. Jesus didn't come for them. Hebrews chapter 2 verse number 16 The Bible doesn't say anything about this great mystery, but as we look at them and we think about them, here it is they are under this great law. But then again that brings me to another thing, and that's simply this what the angels do. And again, we're hitting this really, really fast this morning. We've already noted in Hebrews chapter one verse fourteen that they are ministering spirits. They carry out the bidding of the Creator. We know, according to the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, that they worship and they serve God. And in Revelation chapter 22, verses 8 and 9, we find them worshiping God, or at least they are spoken of there. As John falls down at the feet of one of the angels, begins to worship him, he lifts him up, and, and he tells John, he says, Worship God, not the angels. In ancient times, when we were thinking about angels, they often took the form temporarily of a human being. And they delivered messages to God's people. Now, one great example of that is found in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 33, when the angel Gabriel came and delivered a message and said that uh, Mary would be expecting a baby. Angels often delivered messages throughout the Old Testament. They took on human form. Let me just make one brief observation here before we, we go any farther. Every time you know we, we encounter an angel in the Bible, they have basically the same form, but whenever we picture angels for the most part, today we think about them having a different form. What do you mean by that? Well, Generally speaking today, when we think about an angel and you see one pictured in some way, they're pictured as a lady, a woman. But every time we see them taking the form of a human in the Bible, they take the form of a man. They take the form of a man. And that's just one thing, you know, we've, we've created this picture in our mind, but it's a different one than, than the Word of God. They came and they delivered messages. But not only that, Angels came as protectors. They sometimes function as the protectors of God's people. When Daniel was cast into the den of lions, what happened? Well, they didn't gobble him up, did they? The Bible speaks about that God shut the mouth of the lions, but in Daniel chapter 6 at verse 22, the Bible says, My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me. God sent an angel to take care of that. Not only that, but in Acts chapter 12, verse number 7, when, uh, when Peter found himself in jail, and God uh, did that miraculous jailbreak for him. In Acts chapter 12, verse 7, the Bible says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and the light shone in the cell. And he struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly and the chains fell off his hands. You know, that's a pretty funny picture if you think about it. Peter's laying there asleep. He's in jail. He's chained up. He's laying there asleep. And the angel slaps him and says, Wake up! Wake up! We've got to get out. Wake up quickly. Again, there's the protector, the one who led uh, Peter out of jail. And so they sometimes functioned in that way. Uh, you encounter in the book of Matthew chapter 18, verse number 10, You encounter what some believe that angels perhaps do today. Uh, Matthew chapter 18 at verse 10 says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, I tell you, that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Uh, Some people somehow get guardian angels out of that for us even today. But, the only problem with that is, and, and I wish I had more time to delve into it more deeply, uh, the angels are not with the people. The angels are in heaven with God, even in this passage of Scripture. And so we need to consider that as well. We do know that angels have interest in the activities of Christians. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 10, the Bible speaks about the wife and how that she ought to have a symbol of authority on, on her head. Why? Because of the angels, he says, they have some kind of interest in us. And in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 5, at verse 21, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Paul is giving instructions to Timothy. One of the things that he mentions is that, hey, the angels are witnesses of this as well. and So they have some interest in the affairs of mankind. Again, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, they ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation. Uh, as you look at that passage, it's an interesting one. There's a question in, as to what do they do. Uh, the construction is, uh, is one that suggests very clearly that they do something for us. But again, what is it? Uh, how do, the, how do the angels function for us today? Well, one thing that we have to be sure of, and I truly wanted to get to this one, is that as we're looking at this and they are serving in this way, we can't conclude today that they do it in a miraculous way. You know, that's one of the things that, that folks always want to try to bring up about angels, and they'll say, you know, this angel... You know, he, 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 he drugged me or she drug me out of a car that was burning. That God somehow miraculously used an angel in this way. Well, we know according to 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 through 10, that the age of the miraculous has ceased. Know the same thing from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 8 through 16. That the age of the, the miraculous has gone. We believe that they could do that. The, the miraculous things in days of old, they could slay armies. We, um, we read about how that was done so many years ago. But today, since the supernatural has gone, the, uh, the miraculous uh, era has gone, we're left to understand that God works through his providential care, his providential will, allows angels to help us in some way Again, he doesn't choose to reveal to us what that way is, even today. We do know that when we read in the book of Luke, chapter 16, at verse number 22, when Lazarus died, what does the Bible say about him? Well, the beggar, the poor man, died and was carried by the angels to the side of Abraham. We do know that they had uh, a, a part there. But we also know this. Angels will be employed at the judgment to gather the unfaithful out of God's kingdom. Matthew 13, verse 41. The Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers. Scripture indicates that when Jesus comes, He will be accompanied by all of His mighty or holy angels. Matthew, chapter 25, at verse number 31. And so, we haven't answered all the questions that we'd like, but there's not a lot of information in regard to what angels and how angels work for us today. But what's going to happen to the angels? The Bible seems to indicate that the rebellious angels that that we read about are beyond the means of redemption as we spoke about earlier in this lesson. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 4, God didn't spare the angels who sinned, but but the Bible says He cast them into hell. He cast them into Tartarus, uh, the place that they would be kept until the judgment. Jude speaks similarly about the same thing in verse number 6. You see, Jesus said that hell was initially prepared for the devil and his angels. Jesus used a different word. Not to Taurus, the temporary place, if you will, to be held to Judgment Day, but Gehenna, the place of eternal punishment. It's interesting to think that God would prepare, and Jesus specifically stated that, Matthew 25, verse 41, then he'll say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. That God would say that, that Jesus would say that. What's going to happen to them? Well, those who sin will be eternally lost. Just as those who sin without the blood of Jesus Christ covering their sins today, human beings, that they will be lost. Sometimes we think about human beings and we say, well, so-and-so passed away and now now they're an angel. They're different than those created beings in the sense that we don't, when we die, become angels as far as the Bible uh, teaches us. We're two separate entities. But like them, like them, We are amenable, we are subject to the law of God. Angels, under what law God gave them, we do not know. We do know the one that we're under. And we do know that we will have the same fate, that we will experience the same punishment if we break the law that God has given us without forgiveness that He offers us. We don't have to go there—the place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. We don't have to go there. That's the glory. That's the blessing. That's the wonder of the gospel message—the one that we mentioned today in regard to angels, that they don't have the hope that they don't have. I don't know why God, as far as He chose to say, to uh, to tell us, didn't give them another means. Was it that they were so close to God that you know, in His presence, that they? Just didn't deserve another chance. I don't know. God didn't say. There's a whole lot more that I'd like to know about angels. There's a whole lot that is, you know, presented in the religious world today that's not true about angels. Today we just sort of touch the hem of the garment in talking about them. We know they're real. We know they're God's messengers. We know they have an interest in us. And we know that like us, they are responsible to God for being obedient. What about you this morning, your life? Are you living for God? Are you living for Satan? Are you living a life that would result in your eternity being with God? or your eternity being separated from you. God's made it possible for us, all of us, any of us, to have forgiveness of any sin that we have in our life. If you're not a Christian, if you've never been baptized for the remission of your sins today, you understand that that's what you need to do. We'd love to assist you with that. If you need to know more about that, we'd love to study with you about it for God's Word. In detail. But maybe you're here and you know this morning that your life is not right with God and you want to put your Lord on in baptism. We want to assist you. Maybe you're here and you've done that, but you still are separated from God today. Don't leave this place in that condition. Come back to it right now as together we stand.